Hello everyone and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, we're back this week. We've been all over the place, Josh. How you doing? We got a great guest today. We're going to welcome him right away. Welcome to the show, Eric Simon, returning guest. Thanks for coming back, Eric. It's great to see you. This is the hat trick for me. This hat trick for Eric Simon. Now hold on though. Is that Sharp Cuts? Or is mm, that include no, passing this dimes? Is a, this is the duo for sure. Well, technically it, it was include a hat trick, but there was a lost <laughs> episode out there. Uh, but it's a, it's a duo for aired sharp cuts. Okay. We did lose a few episodes. Thanks for bringing up that we that actually happens to us because we've been trying to avoid that. But a ghost episode out there. So welcome back, everybody, to the show. Josh, let's quickly touch on the Canadian scene because there's volleyball. There's not much volleyball happening right now. But there is volleyball happening right now. So let me see if I can catch up on what the heck's going on because being a fan is not easy. I feel for all of you listening, and I mean thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button, comment down below, let us know what you think. But So it seems like we had a tournament in Turkey that we had a bunch of teams at, but we did not do that well, it seems like, Josh. Not well by we, we were riding the wave there for a while, Gary. We were getting some top tens. Like we had a bunch of teams getting good results. This one, I think Megan and Nicole maybe have the best result as a sixteenth. Well, it looks like we we had Brandy and Sophie and Megan and Nicole lose out in the round of sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a tough way to go out. And we had uh, none of our men's teams qualified. Um, right, and then Darby uh, lost in the qualifier, as did Devin and Miriam. So, yeah, not not a good one. Yeah, that's a tough one. And also, keep an eye out for there is a tournament ongoing in the Czech Republic right now where Melissa Imanapadetis and Sarah Pavan are in action. We don't know the result of that, but by the time you're listening to it, you will know the results. So go check out, see how they did for yourself. And congratulations to Mel and Sarah on a great event. Calling it right now, Gary. I mean, huge, huge <laughs> win for them. Um, big results for Mel and Sarah. We don't know what happened. I will um, say, Garrett, what, what really impressed me, though, after Turkey was the Monday after the Worlds <laughs> list came out and Brandy and Sophie got into Worlds. So they, they got enough results. They snuck in, going to World Championships, baby. So that, that includes, uh, obviously, Mel and Sarah had enough points to get in through the top entry. Uh, Sophie and Brandy did. And a, a little Norseka news, Garrett, Megan and Nicole got in through the top 23. So I thought, awesome, maybe they get to pass on the Norseka spot that they earned for Canada to the next team who would have lost in our trials to them. Apparently, it doesn't work that way. You only win the spot for yourself, and Norseka then gave the spot to somebody else. I don't think that's the rule, Garrett. I think that's Norseka being a little bit sketchy. I think it should have went to another Canadian team. Okay, because Eric and I yeah, were we, we should that. dive into that. I like that's uh, yeah. yeah that's what would you guys do in this situation? So Megan and Nicole represented Canada at a Norseka trials because at World Championships there's continental zone representation, right? Norseka will have four teams there. Megan and Nicole won one of the spots by finishing the final. They lost to Cuba, so they won a spot for them to go. But then through their own performance, guys, they got into the top twenty-three ranking. That's the other I mean, way congrats to, to them, by the way. Yeah, so absolutely huge. Hold on, we got three teams in on the women's side just based on results. Yes, all in the top 23. Let's go, Canada, right now. I mean, player of the week, Canadian women's beach volleyball. I mean, absolutely. Clearly, clearly. But anyways, yeah, I thought they won the spot for the Federation. Turns out they won the spot for themselves, and it got passed on to another team, which I'm disappointed at best to to understand this role. Yeah, but who did they pass it on to? Because that team who helped earn the berth got in anyways. So to just give it to that country is kind of, meh, hinky as well. Like, did they give it to the second place country? 
Uh, sorry, it would have been third because technically Megan and Cole were the second place team. So now you're going the third. And remember how Narsika did like the split squad tournament? So now it's like the third, but were they really like third? Uh, so the Narsika teams are Cuba, Mexico, Dominican. And which country code is the CRC? Let's, let's Google this. Is that Costa Rica? I think so. Yeah. I think so. So they, they get to go to Worlds instead of Canada 4, which would be Amanda and Alina who played Megan and Nicole uh, in, in the final of our Norseca trials, which I think they should have got passed on. Yeah, it's Costa Rica. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that is suspect massively. Massively suspect. And I get that you got to hold your tongue here, Josh. I don't. That's absolutely suspect that a team makes it in and then the Federation just picks who goes. Why even have the tournament? Right. Like, I think Megan and Cole should have won that spot for Canada. And then when they earn the result, awesome, let's give it to my Canadian countrymen and Alina and Amanda. Yeah, like, the, the only reason you had the trial was to determine the team, the Canadian team that was going to go. They got in. You could just give it to the other one. Yes, exactly. We're ready to go. We have our standings ready to go. And we're That's not. Like, I, would, I would ask for that rule book. I'd, I'd want to see. Like, if anyone's different. listening and says, oh, is there a country quota worlds? Yes, there is. It's five. That would give us four. So we're still well within the country quota rule. Don't we have any Canadians on the inside to get a little unfair treatment for us? I think I think we should be making some calls here. Yeah. Like, let, how do we get Josh Nickel on the Norseka Federation board <laughs> so you can get in there and, and wheel and deal from this? Actually, forget Josh Nickel. I'll get get me yes. in there. I'll be making the shady moves in favor of Canada. Yeah, you want to make your first order of business to clean up their website? Because holy, (laughs) I mean, that's a multi-time clown of the week. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to open old wounds, but I, I was listening to one of your, I think it was with Pavin, and you guys were talking about like just finding who's in tournaments and finding tournament structure. Like, oh my god, it's a nightmare out there. It's an absolute joke. I mean, so we've already had some players of the week, clowns of the week, early. On this episode, like, wow, what an what an absolute mess, Josh. That's not even what we wanted to talk about today. Wait a minute, what the hell was that? I, what I just happened I, there I on the, screen? I saw a react button; it was flashing. I was like, okay. Oh I my hit, gosh, our does. listeners, you did not <laughs> see that, but Eric just clicked the heart. Skype is weird, everybody. Um, don't use Skype. What should you use? Zoom. Zoom's good. Zoom's good. Microsoft Teams. I'm sure there's stuff with a budget that we could get here, but we're still riding the Skype wave. That was a beautiful heart, by the way. Thank you, Eric, for the for the nice reaction. It's like it's just flashing there, you know? It's like the big red button that flashes saying don't touch it and you're gonna push it. So I, uh, yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> see, there you go. I mean, all episode we're gonna be I wonder what shows up on the recording when I press this. But hey, we're hey. Hearts all around for well, no. Thumbs down. Angry face. Is there this is this is the rea- sad face reaction yeah. for the <laughs> For all that news. That's not even what we wanted to talk about today, guys. But, like, Josh, you're just going to drop juicy news like that? I have another question because I heard a rumor. Because there was the women's tournament in Qatar, right? But one of our teams maybe didn't, like, wasn't allowed in, like, couldn't go. Uh, Sophie and uh, Brandy didn't go to that tournament. Were they supposed to go to that tournament? Is there a rumor there? Oh my gosh, if you follow Sophie on Instagram, that was like a wave of emotions, Garrett. They they had like the worst travel thing ever where their bags actually went to Qatar and back and then back to Toronto where like they, I don't know if a flight got canceled or moved, but like it was just a travel mess where they were in the tournament and couldn't get to Qatar in time. So they just had to like forfeit because they couldn't make it there because of travel issues? Yes, and if they wouldn't have got into world championships, we'd all be looking back being like that was tragic because it wasn't anything they could do they were trying to fly from brazil to qatar and just a travel mess cost them 
Unbelievable. So they got in in spite of not playing in that tournament. I mean, absolute big win for them. So with can that. we put like, uh, wow. Qatar Airlines up as Clown of the Week nomination as well? Yeah, what airline was it, Josh? Like, we need to call them <laughs> out. Uh, I don't know, but uh, they definitely sent their bags there without them. That's always tragic when that happens too, right? That's unbelievable. That The bags <laughs> made it to play the tournament and they didn't. Yes. Normally it's the yeah. other way around. <laughs> Wow. Okay. What a what a start to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Comment down below if you have any thoughts. But uh, this is the question of the day that I log on, and these guys are already talking before we've even started the call, getting heated. So I'm coming into this blind. You guys already have ammunition. But Josh, what are we talking about? We're talking about stats or something? I wrote it down, but I still don't know what we're talking about. It's hard to explain, but Eric and I were having a nice back and forth on the weekend because we're both NHL hockey fans, and he's getting really into the moments, the situations. And he challenged me, because I think I get labeled as like a stats guy sometimes, Garrett. I like to prep. I like yeah, to scout. Like every time. Numbers guy. Going, we call you that all the time. He's going, Josh, nobody cares. All the stats, <laughs> all the game planning, that stuff doesn't matter if you can't read human emotion and you can't be in the moment, because that stuff's going to change. And i got to be honest, Garrett, he started to sway me. What? So I, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm ready to like, dig in. I ready. I really want to go to bat for the stat side, but I am gonna be open to whatever argument he can present. And Garrett, I think we already know you're on the other end of the spectrum. So we'll see what you bring. Well, you already have a bad attitude, even starting with the <laughs> idea that you could be swayed. What kind of argument are you looking to have here, buddy? But um, yeah, so I, I don't get it. Like that nobody uses the stats. Are we talking about volleyball stats? <sighs> Well, I, I think any sport, I think you come in with like a game plan, but how flexible can you be? So uh, I think Eric's saying that if you can read human behavior and you can adjust on the fly, that's going to be more beneficial than your prep. And I, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. So like, so where I'm kind of coming with this and, and it's, it's hard to explain. So I hope I kind of hit it, but my, and I'm not saying I'm a, not a stats guy, but I'm just, I, I take it with a grain of salt, but my biggest knock is there's no way that stats can consider all the variables to truly give you an accurate reflection of what somebody might do. And, you know, as I was watching this hockey and I was reflecting on my coaching time, and I think this is super applicable to like the university and below levels, maybe not so much once you get to like the super high level pros, but if you're watching the player on the other side of the net, I feel like you can almost predict what they are going to do from that for, and like, you know, an easy example would be, um, you have your setter and you're playing against a team and you know, their best hitters are left side and the setter just ran right side and the right side got blocked. And you see that left side go up to them and be like, set me the ball. Right. You can kind of put yourself in that situation and almost imagine, okay, their best player, like their captain, their leader, just came to their setter and demanded the next ball after they just made an error. It's crunch time. That just made the game, you know, 21-19. Screw what the stats say. I'm almost confident that that setter is going to go to that left side, going to go to that player that just came up in their face and demanded that that ball go to them. That's the kind of, you know, watching the other side, seeing the reactions and kind of understanding human behavior. I'm trying to talk about that. I think you can pick up a lot of information. And I really think there's a ton of it there at the at the OVA level. And I know there's lots of it there at the university level. Uh, but I think, you know, reading that stuff across the net can kind of give you way more information than stats will. So has he swayed you, Josh? I mean, like, it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful argument. Well, I think we gotta we gotta figure out what stats are. So, Garrett, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast Passing Dimes, but we had Joe Trinzi on the show, who's no, like I'm, the no, stats no. guru okay, okay. in volleyball Honestly, right now. You just started the conversation by saying you want to figure out what stats are, and then name dropped your own other show <laughs> yes. on this same network. Yes. 
mm-hmm. like unbelievable. And you had some stats guy on there. Great. Yes. Yeah. And who's also working with Team Canada now. Great pickup by Ben Joe to get this guy involved. So Joe turns the like the stats guy in volleyball. So I have a nice teaser video on the Instagram page that anyone's follows knows that Joe quoted on the show. Stats are just an observation with a really good memory. So what are we talking about with stats? I think we're just documenting what's happening in the match. We're picking up tendencies where, yeah, I think you have to have the eagle eye of Eric and say, okay, they're going to set their best player if they're down 21-19. But also tendencies and trends also predict that. So even if you're not watching or maybe the player didn't call for the best ball like if western's in rotation one and they garrett's going to be there they're going to set him on the right side like i think there's just certain things that would show up in the stats and your prep anyways and then you can kind of confirm it with this this eye you still want to be in the moment but i think you still need to prepare and look for tendencies that are going to show up under pressure anyways so yeah, so but- i guess josh like my my question back to you and and you know i'll, I'll admit like my university career was when video was just kind of starting to pick up into into volleyball. So I've never been part of like a deep dive data volley or anything like that. And so my question back to you, who seems like, you know, with your national team, you talk about stats a lot, you're charting during practices and stuff. What do you, what, what efforts do you guys make to try to capture all the variables? And, and the reason I ask this is I, I remember distinctly, you know, talking to some Queens guys once the season's over and we were reflecting on a game we played and they're like, oh yeah, like our game plan against you, Eric, was we needed to take away your best shot. We needed to take away line. I'm like, where the, where, where'd you guys come up with line? Like cross all day for me. So I, I'm kind of just like, I don't know what they watch. I don't know where they're, what they were pulling for stats maybe it was the game before and we played against the tiny setter and so i was going over the setter but that was where i'm kind of like clearly there was some variables missing because if i have the choice i'm going cross all day and so it was i was almost surprised to hear like that was the game plan based on whatever stats they saw so so what do you do to try to accommodate you know all these random variables to try to make sure you're giving the best prediction possible I think that is the biggest challenge because you need a big enough sample size to make a decision. But obviously the sample size, if it's over the course of a season, that doesn't isolate one game. So one thing we've tried to do to kind of sort through that is to find a doppelganger. So if we're scouting for Mel and Sarah, we wouldn't watch them play against a 5'10 blocker because it's going to be a totally different behavior than what Sarah is going to produce on the player. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got to find a doppelganger that's going to be similar. Uh, Obviously what they've done against us. So again, if you're Mel and Sarah and these elite 16s, you're going to see the same teams over and over again. So you can find valuable data about like what actually happened against them but when we're playing a team we either were in the qualifier and we don't know what they're doing or a team out of the qualifier and we're already in the main draw like i think that's where it becomes a little bit flawed and you got to look at situation and and on the beach the extra layer that i don't think indoor has to deal with is like weather like what did they do in the wind what did they do in this temperature like uh, what's what are they trying to accomplish? Like, I think there's those are the variables that actually become really hard to measure. Uh, the other thing that some of our teams do, I can't confirm or deny this rumor, is we'll, we'll do what NFL teams do and we'll script a few plays. So we'll know in the first two side changes, we're going to run our X play. And then even if the other team sides out, we want to know, did they see our blocker? Did they see our defender? What shot did they choose? So you kind of figure out, like, are they a vision player? Are they just going to hit into space? Like, what is their out? And then when you go back to, like, your X play at, like, 15, 13 or whatever it is, you kind of have some data in the moment, right? So kind of looking ahead of a little bit of a layered game plan versus just saying this is their favorite shot. I'm absolutely yeah, so- disgusted. I'm just vomiting <laughs> inside my mouth here. I, I can't. Be- I can't let this go on any longer. What the hell are we talking about here? You schedule plays like you. You plan a play. Like what kind of joke is that? Yes. Like wait, with first two side change, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this. Like, oh yeah. Well, what if you don't side out a single ball on the first side change? 
Oh, the, the, the how you're earning points is just, it, it's, it doesn't matter if you're not siding out, Garrett. I completely agree. You have to be able to side it, but how you're going to get points on defense, I, you need a plan. See, see, I think like the one part with that long-winded script that I agree with is if once you get to the point where you understand what the other person is picking up on, what cues they're reading, and like you, you said, for your, your guy's way of getting to that point is, okay, we're going to run our set play at 7, 14, and 21. I think that, like, I don't have the answer, but I, and that's kind of where I'm getting at with this. If you can read the other players and read their behaviors, if you, once you get to that point of, I know what they're reading, I know what they're picking up off of me, the game becomes much easier. So I agree with you on that. I don't know if I agree with the whole idea of, hey, we're going to run this play no matter what, and we're doing it almost as like a forfeit of a point to, to see what they're picking up on. I feel like through the flow of the game, if you're if you have this good like behavioral analytic like behavioral analytic science behind you to be able to pick up on what they're doing, probably a better way to achieve it. Yeah, you guys are right. Me, Sean McVay, and Bill Belichick were all idiots for doing it this way. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, I I disagree with both of you. I think you're both full of it. Um, like reading other players. And paying attention to that stuff has just as much opportunity for miscommunication as reading too much into stats. And so I'll throw this out here. So Josh, you have your beach team. Oh, let's run the X play. Player not looking. Terrible play. They hit a cross roll shot and score. And you go, oh, yeah, they must have seen us. They saw, well, no, they just freaking rolled it over by accident and they happened to score. Like... Oh no! Oh, they saw. Okay, we got to do that. It's like okay, no, that's obviously not the case. And if you're going to give a hypothetical, can you give a real hypothetical and not somebody roll shot it to five on a blind play and it scored at the world tour level? That happens all the time, Josh. This is what I'm saying. Is this is absolute nonsense because the set drifts off the net a little bit. They lose vision. Now they're just hitting something. They're not reading you. They're not paying attention. They're just hitting something, right? So the amount of times I scored on cut shots that over a cross block I didn't know was going to be there is a high number, Josh. Very high <laughs> number. Same thing in indoors. The amount of times I hit it around a cross block that I didn't know where they were going to be was a high number, right? So I think I would trend a little bit more towards what Eric is saying is like, pay attention, try to read the situation, try to read the player. But for me, it's more like, no, like these things are all tools to give you preparation to make a decision in the moment. Not be like, like if I'm looking in player, Eric, your uh, situation, play, you know, their best player goes up and says, hey, set me. Yeah, that's information for me, but I can't commit in that moment they're setting him. I've got to be ready for them to set him, but I can't commit to that because things change. And now if I've committed that way, I'm kind of losing out. Same thing with the stats, Josh. Planning a play. Well, at 4-2, if my blocker blocks them cross on a line block because they're just that big, we're going to run the X play again? No. Why the hell would we do that? Like, we're so just my, setting hey, ourselves I, I up for a, mistakes. I got a few questions here. So, so, Garrett, my question to you is, like, during the course of a game, do you ever change your play style? Do you ever take a, a half step in towards to help the middle, half step out further to stay loyal to the right side, change your – do you you're, – you're just like, nope, this is my spot. I'm going to go here every single time, and I'm never going to change it. Physically? Very little. Mentally, constantly. 
right? So, so like, what would, like be, give us an example of what you would change mentally. Yeah. So like I wouldn't start like if indoors, for example, if, you know, I'm, I'm in my same starting position, but I'm just paying attention and using all the information, the stats, what's been happening to try to make a good decision about where I should be most ready to go and where I can give up. It's the same thing in beach, right? Like you can't cover everything. I mean, mm -hmm. some days you can, um, but you have to be more ready for some things than others, right? So like to plan out your plays or to like, you know, you can use statistics for that, but at the same time, you can't just commit to that because then that immediately changes things. If I line up over there, it now changes their situation and they make a different play on that, right? So like beach is a great example for that stuff. Cause if I sit in the angle, ready to dig cross and like, I know oh, the stats say they roll line a lot. If I go, like I just cheat line, well, they may see me and hit an angle. So like, I think, so I don't know about Josh, but I am. So what I'm hearing from you is, and, and I agree that with this information you take, whether it's from stats, behavior, whatever, I'm not saying like, oh, it's a full commit. It's like, hey, I'm pushing all my chips in on this. But I think it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go, you know, 55% now leaning a little, whether it's an extra six inches leaning that direction or my body and my mind is just ready to move that way more yeah. than the other. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So I think we're kind of on the same page. Josh, I don't know if, if you agree with that or from your stats, you're like, no, I want it to be, you know, almost like a 75% committal because we're so confident in the numbers we have that this is very, very, very likely to happen. No, no, I don't think you ever have your mind made up before it's going to happen. I think the whole point of a game plan is you don't want to walk away from a game and be like, oh, Garrett did exactly what he did and he beat us with it. He hit four shots underneath our middle blocker and we didn't change anything. It's like, well, no, you need to know that's coming and have a plan for it. So like to use, I think Sarah and Melissa have an awesome game plan. Like when they won world championships, Melissa started closer to six. Where was April Ross hitting the ball? She was trying to hit seam around Sarah, but still be aggressive. And Mel got a ton of digs on her, and then she started to scramble, and then they went back to their base defense, and she got more digs. So by taking that away early in the match, you can go back and watch it, like that affected April Ross, and then they went back to some other things. Like I don't think you can do something from 0-0 to the end of the first set and expect it to work the whole time, but I think he can start by taking away a strength, and if you're going to lose to somebody, let's lose to them on their third, fourth, fifth shot, not like their strength on strength all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I don't know, that seems pretty obvious. Like, I mean, when we're not you advocating so. for not game planning, <laughs> but like you get the stat sheet printout when you're sitting on the bench indoors. Like, are you looking at that thing? Indoors is a little bit different because I don't think it actually tells you that much information. Well, like it tells you as much information just on a smaller scale than any other thing you're looking at. Well, I tend to divide information into useless uh, and then there's interesting. <laughs> and Basically then everything useful. I say. And useless. I think the sheet that they print out to you, your coach's copy and indoor, I would say that borders on interesting to useless. I wouldn't say that's useful because it doesn't break it up by rotation, doesn't break it up by like in system, out of system. Like it doesn't give you situations. It just tells me that Eric Simon went 8-3 on 11. And it's like, okay, yeah, Eric's a good player. Like it doesn't tell us where we're getting beat. No, those are absolutely useless. But uh, so Josh, I just want to circle back to my kind of one of my questions I asked earlier of how do you try to accommodate for all the variables? So you kind of answered the question of, okay, we look for doppelgangers. What about, you know, now there's like those in the moment situations where my mindset is going to be very different if we've just lost four points versus, you know, we're up four points and I have a little room, little bit of wiggle room. So do you accommodate like those different variables? Do you accommodate, you know, 
all of a sudden they're in a must-win point, even though it's 15-15. They were up three. They've given up three points. Now they're in like a must-win point. Is, are any of those factored into the stats you guys are producing? Absolutely. I think the when we talk like trends or situations, what they're going to do, they, they go back to those the most under stress. So if we had Garrett's shot chart and he's going to hit it sharp out the sideline, under stress when he needs a point, like that's the point you need to alert for because he needs to earn one. He's not going to reverse pokey back down the line he's going to go to his bread and butter and he's going to try to get a point so and stress doesn't always mean it's 22 21 and he needs to side out or they lose you can you can elicit stress at seven four like so, I think you so how do you identify that like are you how do you identify that how do you identify this is his shot under stress I think biggest tendency would be his thing under stress. What does he do more most often? Because that's what he's most confident in or most consistent in. So you need to have data there. Uh, I think you also need to feel the match. Like I think you guys have played beach against. But are guys you like where... are you like watching previous matches and making your own judgment call where it's like okay, you know, this is first point of the game, so Garrett is not under stress. Okay, Garrett has just been blocked. Okay, I'm going to say this is now an under stress point for Garrett. Are you making like that judgment call when you're watching? Garrett's gameplay and you're saying okay here you know what I'm I'm calling this an under stress point he just got blocked so we're going to mark this as under stress and we're going to start to put this in its own little file of under stress okay you know what their team in general Garrett hasn't been set but their team in general has just lost three points so whichever partner this goes to Garrett or partner B this is an under stress point I'm going to put this in the other folder is someone kind of like is that one of the flags that's getting attached to this play that is about to come up when you're watching the video. Absolutely. Like I think to use your indoor example, like at university, there's guys who would they get shit slammed, what would they do the next play? They are going to tip. Like I think it just happens over time. You're gonna see that. Or there's worse guys who are just gonna hit the ball harder into the same spot. Like I think you have to watch more and more and see like, okay, Eric's gonna swing again because he just got blocked, or Josh just got shit slammed, so you know he's gonna tip or roll this ball away from the blocker. He doesn't want to get blocked again, like or something like that. Like I think those trends said to happen, but you have to watch over and over to get those things. Yeah, I think it's a total complete coach's fallacy to try to expect to predict behavior like see that's like i'm aligned with that because as we're going down this i'm just thinking like man you're gonna have hundreds of folders like okay here's garrett under stress into the wind here's garrett under stress on a sunny day here's garrett under stress uh, garrett wasn't under stress that much eric okay so well, there's not that many folders all right garrett's gonna choppy across and if we peel on him he's gonna hit it as hard as he can into the seam like that's that's garrett yeah but here's the thing <laughs> I changed year to year, Josh. Like, you know, 2016, I was a different player than 2015. Like, you know, so th these things change. They, they change based that, on the game. And, then, and that was that was exactly my next point, right? If all of a sudden, you know, like, let's say you're charting these doppelgangers and you're watching, you know, from even last month. And it's like, wow, like this game plan works. Block, you know, block player A cross. Player A went home and watched that video and said, holy shit, I cannot you know once they take away my cross i'm no good i gotta go bust my ass to work on my line shot and now all that data you just had is completely irrelevant because they've identified it as well and they've spent the last month kind of fine-tuning their stuff 
Well, I think er, on your earlier question, like how do we prep for that? And, and the easy question would be, well, you have to cover all these situations. You have to front load them. Like one of my worst feelings as a scout is uh, one of our women's teams in China, they're about to play this Russian team and the Russian blocker does a standing cross court serve. And it was a beautiful thing to see Eric because I'm thinking, we're just going to run our speed set to the pin. We're going to two ball. We're going to be awesome. Like this is so easy. What a big dumb idiot. She does a standing serve and then runs 13 meters up to the net. Eric, we didn't practice our two ball or a speed play. So the team email will be back being like, yeah, that's all well and good, but we, we haven't practiced any of the things you're asking us to do to then execute in a game. So now as a coach, I have to front load all this stuff. So if we know that Garrett struggles against the X play or the big two or the late dive no, play, you, you better guarantee that you've been working on that for months or you can't just pull it out on a Saturday and expect it to work. I mean, well, going back to that server, right? How do you like, um, how do you know she wasn't just serving that cross court during a few specific games where she wants to target that defender? She knows that passer can't handle the long corner to long corner, high loopy into the wind, whatever. And then all of a sudden they play you and she's like, great. I got my new attacker. I'm going straight down the line at this person. Cause I know she can't pass outside her body to the left. I think the more data, the better. But for me, a, a small rule of thumb with our teams is if you have over four matches, like that's typically a lot of data to prove that like if they're doing something at a high clip, this was like over 60% of the time, this was her serve. Uh, th there are other athletes who aren't as obvious, like they're not going to do something six out of 10 times. But I, our rule of thumb is typically if you have four full matches against a doppelganger, you can start to make some informed decisions. You are a numbers guy, Josh. Like, let's let's be clear about this. Let, let's not be clear on that. I'm a communication arts student. I took advertising <laughs> in college. I'm a competitor, and the numbers help us win games. So I'm going to learn to do numbers. Yeah, but but do they? Like, but do they help you win games? Because you know, like the my always my hated in beach specifically hated data, hated the stats, hated the shot chart especially as well because. So many times we got burned on that damn shot chart looking at, oh, you know, here's where they hit, here's what they do. And it's like, <laughs> damn it, you get in there and it never looks the way you yeah, you saw different. it on those sheets of paper, ever. It looks different. You're a different. It's always different. And I hated looking at these things and some say, oh, oh, they do this. It's like, no, they, they don't do this. Like. Or, or one time we got they a shot chart where like game scenario. plan. one scenario. It's like if yeah. he did it in one scenario. Okay, Anyways, if you guys but, are going to play Fyodor Kazimiaka, what shot would he hit a bunch? I have no idea. You do too. He would bang it as hard as he could cross. And if you got a blocker and dig on him, he would hit it more cross. Well, yeah, like so, okay. So then Eric, the game plan. Aaron Nosbaum's tendency. Hold on though. So if Fyodor hits cross. Statue of Liberty tip back. The game plan <laughs> on a guy who only hits cross Okay, we'll block cross and we'll dig cross because he only hits cross. Oh, if you block him cross, he goes more cross. So we'll double up cross. Well, what do you think he's going to do then? Hit cross? No. <laughs> he's going to hit it line. Yeah, I would, I would challenge that he would keep going cross. I think he would eventually go down the line. Um, but Josh, circling, circling back to the Russian example you had, which kind of leads into my next point. At what point do you say, hey, this is the team's weakness I'm going to try to stress our team to attack it versus them just kind of playing to their own strength. So that was a pretty extreme example where like, we haven't practiced this, so we're not doing it, but let's say they actually have been practicing it for a month or whatever, but they're, eh, you know, this isn't our go-to game plan. You know, we'd much rather run our high balls to the pin because we're confident with that. We're successful with that. Our stats say we have a high clip at, at success with that. At what point do you say, Okay, stick with our our good number stats versus attacking their poor number stats. 
Well, I think you, I, I don't think you can just say we're big and bad and we're going to go strength on strength and our system's going to be better. Like, we're just going to play this straight up. Like, I don't think that acknowledges that you're playing tactically or you're playing smart. Like, I think you're always looking for an advantage. So, uh, like, I'll give you the perfect example. Christian Sorum is the hardest player to game plan for on side out because his offense is based on what you're not very good at. So when he plays against Gibbon Crab, what aren't they very good at? Well, they want to chase and they want to do late dive stuff. So he tools the block a ton. He blows up Crab. When he plays against Stoyanovsky and Krasilnikov, what does he do? He tips and rolls and never hits the ball hard because they're big and they're dominant and they dig hard driven balls really well. So that would be a guy who I would consider really hard to game plan for because he does what you're not very good at. So he's so polished that he can say, you know what? Eric's a really good hard driven defender, but I'm going to make him chase the ball eight meters every single time this game. Like that would be the, the goal that you're so well-rounded that you don't just say, well, we're playing Garrett and Eric today, and you know what? My best serve is to the left sider, so I don't care that it's Garrett May world champion. We're serving the left sider. Like, you just can't go head down strength on strength all the time. But I, I would, I mean, I haven't watched enough ball to be able to pick out names, but I can almost guarantee you there's players out there where it's like, this is my go-to. I'm still going to do it 80% of the time, and teams can try to stop it, and they might have a bit of success. Obviously, there's there's no top-level athlete that just does one thing, right? It, you know, it's not out there. But I can almost guarantee you, like, there's top players that are like, you know what, this is my strength. I'm going to keep on hammering this because I'm really good at it. You know, they might stop me here and there. They might overcommit, and then I'll change it up. But this is my, my go-to, and for them to stop it, they're going to have to go to the extreme, and then I can go to plan B. I think plan B is a pretty loose term to think that a professional beach volleyball player has one shot. Like everybody oh, yeah. in the scout has like, like, like I shots. said, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, yeah. I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, only everyone only has one shot. I guess like my original question was you guys identified a weakness of theirs, which is, you know, they're serving from, from one to one, which opens up your, Hey, this is a great opportunity for us. To not just use. one to one, five to five as well. When they target an athlete, she served cross court. Cross court. And this is a great term, time for us to open up our two ball. It's their weakness, but it's also kind of one of ours. At what point do you say, hey, you know what, we're going to, we're going to go for it versus, you know what, we're going to tr- stick with one of our stronger abilities that's, you know, maybe not their complete weakness, but we can expose them. Where so do you draw we that do, line, I guess? We would do your magic, so we would measure the variables, right? So we're not going to two ball on a bad pass. So if the pass is there... Then you have your setter who we found through training and front loading that it's easier to two ball and then set than it is to go in and set and then think, oh, shoot, I should have two balled that. And you try to speed up. Right. So we have technique based on the the tactical that we want to run. So we would read the variable. The first variable would be the serve and then the pass. And then we would see, okay, do we have an advantage to two ball here? If we don't, well, then that situation, we would go to our push set or our wide set because we want to spread the blocker out even further. And if that doesn't make sense, then we would go to our up and down. So I think these are decisions that high level athletes like yourselves are making without even thinking about right like you you wouldn't two ball a bad pass you would two ball if it was there so you're going through all the variables based on does this make sense right now so you have a plan but you can't have your mind made up versus like the pass happening it's like when you coach your club kids you're like oh man we really need to set the middle well if the ball's by the three meter line you're not going to run your middle right unless you're western and phil james is hitting a quick like four meters off the net which you guys are the only guys to do that anyways which means you're on the cutting edge. But anyways, there would be variables in identifying stuff that doesn't make sense, Eric. We're not going to just force it and say like, oh, we're only going to win if we two ball, so we're going to two ball everything. You would look for the advantage and then make like basically a, a tiered list of what makes sense. But even then, would you like, 
you if called it off you? entirely because you guys hadn't practiced it at all. So you guys are like the complete one end of the spectrum where this is a major weakness for us as well. So we're not even going to try to exploit it. You know, good pass and everything. How are you analyzing and making that judgment call of, you know what? It's Russia's weakness. It's kind of our weakness as well. We've practiced it, but, you know, maybe we're not comfortable. So we might throw, you know, we're either going to abandon it and let's just stick with our straight upsets or, you know, we'll only try it once or twice a match versus, hey, this, you know, this is something we still want to take the risk on and go for it as much as possible. Well, I mean, the player makes the decision. It's not like Josh is out there because, you know, not telling them what to do. Like, they have to make the decision. Like, I'll be honest. I, like, wouldn't you be pissed as a player, though, if coach comes up and says, hey, she goes cross to cross. So we should look at maybe using some two balls and some outside sets to exploit the advantage. And I go, coach, I never do either of those things. We never hit on two and we never run the outset. What are you doing? Like, would be my response because it's like, no, we're not doing that. We don't do that. We got to write, like, if she comes cry, I'm going to go two on the right. Left. No, no, we're like, I would be, I would, that style of kind of coaching and the data, I would be like, I'd be very tough to manage in that environment. If that's the expectation for these players to be involved in those discussions with game plan and such. Yeah, you would just want to hit it up and down set and hit it across. Yeah. And that is from years of experiencing and watching the best players in the world going to win the gold medal. What do they do? 15 all in the third set of the gold medal game. What, what is happening? What kind of work are these people doing? And what do I need to do to get there, right? To be the best. So that's where this breaks down a little bit, I think, is on the beach. Because there's an incentive for to use information to get a competitive advantage. Like we do a lot in indoor. Right, we do that a ton in indoor, or we like to think we do. <laughs> but on the beach, it becomes way more difficult when there's so many more options. There's so many more ways to build out your game and to attack an opponent. That and things change so frequently that, like, so say you game plan the night before, um, and we spend time, mental energy time that's not spent resting, coming up with a game plan, and you come up tomorrow, it's pouring rain and it's a torrential wind. Right. And it's just like, ah, that plan dictated us having a lot of two balls, but maybe it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to do that as much today. So that's where it's a slippery slope for me is like it's a lot of time and mental energy spent worrying about these things, which could be valuable. I don't think Eric or I are trying to say that, like, taking that information and using it could end up with a like a a win because of it. Like you got to win because you did those things. But it's just the effort. Is it worth it? My opinion is not. If only there was a way to predict weather. <laughs> there is not, Josh. You've seen the yeah, forecast. Yeah, you, want, you want to tell me how many time rounds of golf I have had to cancel? <laughs> Get out of here. They're garbage. Yeah, exactly. You look at the forecast here in Vancouver, Josh, you see rain every day. You think it's raining 24-7? No, it's not. I think the, the overall thing we're trying to achieve is you don't want to get beat by somebody's strength. You want to be aware. If the if the technology's oh, yeah. there, if the video's there, you want to do that. You want to have yeah. a plan. And the, uh, the underlying layer that, that doesn't get talked about a lot is if you have a plan that tends to give your athletes confidence. Like if they're going in blind and they don't know what's happening and maybe they give up a couple loud side outs in the first side change, you're like, oh, we didn't prepare for this. Versus if you know we're playing Taliqua, she's going to destroy a couple two balls, then you can kind of get into the flow of the match and be less reactive in my experience. 
experience. So if you know what to expect, it just gives them a little bit more confidence and a little bit more patience to let the match develop versus like, well, we can't possibly stop that. Did you see that divot she just hit? So Josh, how like maybe going through some of the spectrum of teams, like your your new learning to compete teams versus the high end teams. What's like the average time that you're spending doing going through these stats and video before a match? Uh, yeah, good question. Like our summer next gen guys who are going to play OVAs this weekend, we haven't talked tactics because we're just trying to play in the wind. Anyone who's been in Toronto the last couple of days, it's been super windy. So we're actually playing the weather right now, Eric, and we're, we're losing. They need so, to get good first, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. So uh, again, to use like the, the China example where we played Russia, like if you can't do technically what you're trying to execute tactically, then you're just wasting time and you're causing stress on the athlete versus trying to get them just to bop the ball over, right? So uh, I'd say, Eric, it probably takes and this is where your pre-brief and your debriefs really come in it probably takes three or four events for them to really connect and see like value in little things like it honestly takes that long and i think if you're doing it at the world tour level like garrett i would argue sometimes it takes somebody a full season before they kind of like get it like the level of prep because you're dealing with so many distractions just about traveling and getting to the venue now you got to stay up in game plan you got to find food what time's the shuttle what if i miss the shuttle like there's so many other stressors that i don't think you want to wear them out and be like oh that that latvian left side 30 percent of the time eric they hit the shot it's like did we get to the venue on time and are we feeling okay like sometimes that is like where you got to start yeah but uh, sorry, I didn't mean like over like a season, like if so. OK, so the younger guys aren't getting any at all. Is there like a middle of the pack where, you know, if they have a big quarterfinal or a semifinal match, you know, they play on Saturday. It's you're coming in Wednesday. So you got three days to prepare for them. How much time are you? <laughs> I guess that never really happens. So Friday night. Never so Saturday. So you play them like Friday night. You're there. You're playing yeah. Saturday, 10 a.m. What's the, we'll have how like much, how much, a half hour chat. We'll feed them with data, as Garrett said. Like, but I, how much I, data? Like, how much of that is around data and watching their old film? Uh, as much as available, because at the futures, the promoter is not required to film the matches. So I'm digging through YouTube. I'm digging through our own database, trying to find anything on these teams. So even if you have like two matches and it's not based on our doppelganger, that's still better than nothing. And then, yeah, we'll probably boil it down to a half hour chat. Uh, I'll present ideas and concepts and then they make decisions because one, I'm not in Australia with Jake and Russ, so they have to they have to own the game plan uh, and they have to decide what's going to work for them. But yeah, I think something is better than nothing, but you also have to take it for like what's happening in the moment. Like, like a perfect example, uh, prepping for teams in Australia, uh, the courts were on the beach, but it was a true head tailwind. And there's very few venues that actually have like the water at your back. So to play for that, it was almost like, are we playing the weather? Are we playing the other team where Cancun and usually Australia's other venues are like sidewinds. Like you kind of got to know what the elements or environments demanding of you first. Yeah, for sure. I I will say I've never come away from a match having lost felt like the reason we lost was because we had bad strategy. Like we, it's always, any loss I ever had was because we didn't perform well enough. We didn't execute. A vast majority. I mean, maybe you can think about one or two where you played well and lost, and you kind of go, why? Maybe. But the vast majority of losses, for me personally, were always around performance and how I didn't side out enough. I was struggling to side out, or you know, I didn't make that dig where I should have made that dig, or you know, th- those sort of things are what often is being taken away, at least for me. So that's why it's like, shoot, like if I, you know, all my time was spent trying to prepare so I could play my best, 
rather than worry about the other team <laughs> because I found my wins came more from when I played well than when I worried about what the hell they were doing. Well, Maybe that's playing. just me. Maybe that's why I didn't win that many games. We're playing a physical sport though, right? Like it comes down to that. Like I'm not trying to water down Eric's concept of like human behavior and stuff. I think that's super valuable. I think the stats are just there to prep it and pick up tendencies. We're still playing a physical sport. Like Nate Go, the USA men's scout, like they have more data than anybody. They have so much live stats. Their six back player has three starting spots. Okay, we're playing Canada and Gavin's in the front row. You're gonna step right from base. You're playing this guy, we're gonna step left. Like they have boiled it down that they don't want their players thinking about math. Like he made the joke that he's the only math major on USA. Like they don't want a bunch of mathletes in the front row. They want physical beings who can go earn your points and Nate will tell you where to stand. You see, I think like just listening to you there and having played with some Americans, <clears throat> that was like their very mentality was like, oh, ball, the ball was being sent out of six. Er, ergo, I have to go release to left side. And I'm like, yeah, but the setter was clearly facing C ball. So was it not more likely for like, you know, they were very like, I was told if this, then I do that. And that, and I think that's probably why I'm a little more biased to anti-stat where it's like, yeah, but he was clearly looking at Seaball. Seaball is his best player. Probably going to go Seaball in this scenario, regardless of what like your historical stats said. But yeah, they, he, they were very, I've, I've played with a few of them. They were very like, nope, this, 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 this. Well, Here are my options easy. to go. Yeah. It's easy to remember, right? You don't have to think as much. You just do. Yeah, which it is was... sometimes easier. And then if you lose doing what you were supposed to, it's not your fault. You don't have to you don't have to own any any mistakes you made. Whereas if you put your skin in the game and you got to make decisions now, you take a risk, then that's on you. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't know that we're going to solve this, Josh. But do you feel like any of us have moved at all from our position? No, I, I agree with the points you guys brought up. We're playing a physical sport. I, I agree with Eric that I think it always starts with if this, then that, but then you have to add layers. Like, I think if you can start going like Mole and Sorum, I, I like how popular they're getting because they go on more and more podcasts. Sorum's responsible for three shots every play. They don't just say, I'm taking this and I run late to the line. Like, he's identifying like this, then this, then this. So I think that's the exciting part of our game is we're not just trying to take away one thing. We're trying to identify, and there are videos of Mole where it looks like he's on a full line block and then he'll just dip both his hands in because he Q reads he sees the set was low and inside and he just baits it right so I think it's always going to come down to the physical and the read but you need to front load this stuff and you need to be prepared for what's happening so if a guy can't do something we're not going to waste time like if somebody can't hit a cut shot that is awesome information because we can set up our base defense to take away other priorities versus if you're just going in straight up and we're going to play these guys and we're going to give them hell well then maybe you're still alerting for the cut shot that this athlete doesn't have Josh this is sharp cuts if there's anybody out there who doesn't have a cut shot they don't deserve to be on on this show, mentioned on <laughs> the listening show. to the show. Okay, it's sharp. I, I, I will say, having Josh listen to you, kind of lay out how you guys are considering a bunch of these variables. Uh, you've made me a little bit more of a believer in stats. God damn it, ask, Eric! Don't you say that after much, all this time. Not much. I mean, Absolutely brutal, bit. Josh. <laughs> I am not. I am still. I am not across the line, but I'm a little bit closer. I will ask, you know, I want to see, because I, I feel like there's a little bit of contradictory information where you guys are, oh, yeah, we've got folders for them under stress and in sunny and windy. Eric wants to and see then, those folders, Josh. And then we said, okay, oh, you I guys know. are game planning for the game tomorrow. Oh, well, I, I go on YouTube. I find one match. I find two matches. And I'm like, ah, there's no way you can get all the variables there. So, so our, our database, full disclosure, Eric, we only have a full database on teams who play in Challengers or Elite 16s. Teams who play in the Futures and Norseekas are 
second class citizens. Like you no, can't find yeah. Norseka matches anywhere, yeah. right? Like what Eric is like, getting at is we need accounts for volley matches. <laughs> yeah. So that we can get in there and see the the info and see what you're talking about and see the benefits, Josh. So can you get on that for us? I, I yeah, might I be need... you've swayed me enough, Garrett, that I might be able to lend you the one that I was lent. Let's go. Let's go. Pass it around. Put in the comments below an account. I need it. I need Um, you to show me the mole folder under stressed in wind over 10 degrees when the ball is getting set from six and a half. In which time zone? Brazilian time zone. (laughs) And when he's not feeling that great. And uh, when he had pasta the night before, but eggs in the morning. Yeah. Well, here's a fun thing that you can watch on Mole. Have you guys noticed the teams they're losing to run a wide push set? I'm just saying that's something that data can present us, that the up and down set going against the big dumb middle who can reach and bend and do all these crazy things. When he plays Brower and Musin, when he plays the Latvians and they set the ball a little bit wider, a little bit faster, it seems like he struggles to get to his feet to the ball a little bit. But you guys don't care about stats and preps, so you can guys, you just run your up and down set against Mole versus yeah, you're, like... You're actually talking about one of the best players in the world struggling to block an outside set, though. But I would yes. say that I would say that's human. And by behavior. struggle, I mean they they beat them two out of five times instead of zero out of five times. So, yeah, I think that's a bit of a slight against that guy from you. <laughs> and if I were him, I'd be going, "How about you get out there, coach?" Um, anyways, we've talked you can about win this. Any top- argument with me about that? That that means I'm not qualified to coach because if you, I'm telling Sam Schachter to do something, the actual ball performance he has, he can outdo me in anything. I absolutely agree. Um, <laughs> anyways, comment down below what you think on this topic. Are you Sorry, with Team one, Josh one stat, and Team Stats? Did we spend an hour on this? We, we've talked a lot on this. So what if somebody's out there still listening, thank you very much. Good, good stat story here. Last stat story. So and this is about guy. Sarah Pavin too. So I was in grade nine. I entered grade nine and our gym teacher's like, hey, Oak Ridge is in the finals at offset, you know, pay five bucks, get on a bus, get out of class. So like, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, five bucks, I'm in. And our school, Oak Ridge, is playing Sarah Pavin school, I think Waterloo Collegiate. I can't remember exactly. Forest Heights, maybe? Forest Heights, yeah, that's yeah. the one. So they're in the offset finals. And first time seeing her, I'm like, oh my God, like this girl's just smashing balls. And there was someone in the back, like just keeping a tally on a chalkboard at the end of the at the end of the five set match 69 points that was like <sighs> highest count i've ever seen it was a high school match but respect this must have been good to force it to five though how did she just not win every high school match 3-0 yeah she was like she was their their only player like she sat in the back row hit in the front row like it was just all around her we had a well-balanced team like it, it was london london's a hotbed for volleyball so they uh yeah they ended she, up uh Pavin ended up winning, beat us in five. With 69 points? That was the tally on the chalkboard. Now, it wasn't official data volley stats. It was a chalkboard, but I don't know. Nah, I take the chalkboard over data volley or volley metrics any day because those <laughs> things are garbage. But okay. I'll well, give you my password. You'll be singing a different tune. Volley metrics. Maybe I will. Go. That's what you can do to convince me, Josh. Is give me that damn password and get me in on that. So comment down below if your team stats with Josh or if your team. Just read it and figure it out with Eric. I'll put myself in that category too. I'll comment down below. But uh, we got to move on because we got to, I mean, this has gone on a long time and everybody's waiting for everybody's favorite segment of the show, Players and Clowns of the Week, which we haven't gotten to yet, unbelievably. So we better get to it before more people drop off. I mean, if you were waiting for this, thank you. Subscribe. Okay, who wants to go first? 
I'll go. I'll go. Well, I had one. I had one. Okay, you go. Did we'll you put go your hand up, Josh? Yeah. yeah I got a player of the week. Uh, trying to be polite play. here. My player of the week would uh, would have to be uh, Jackie Ellis and the other folks that are launching the One Volleyball uh, Beach Fundraiser Tournament. I think it's this weekend coming up. I mean, tough. They had they started their program kind of just before COVID. COVID obviously shut it down for two years. So really happy to see uh, some sort of volleyball programming's getting going now that uh, we're back outside and we're having some fun. So player of the week. I mean, well done. Respect. So are you playing, Eric? Man, I tried to get a team in, but not many of my friends play anymore. And, uh, you know, dad life, dad life hits hard. It's, it's no joke. So I try to use my, my free passes on golf nowadays. Smart. Don't want to embarrass ourselves getting out there competing <laughs> in volleyball. Uh, yeah, that, that ship has sailed for me. I got, the, uh, I got the next-gen program that I'm, I'm training from. I can't go rolling an ankle at some six-on-six six tournament for free beer for the year. Absolutely. Is that what it is? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Free beer for a year? Yep. Big, big payday. I'm coming in. I'm booking my flight right now. You need an extra guy, Eric? Can we get in? I think we could round a team up. Okay, done. Send out some feelers. Okay, Josh, comment hurry up down and get below your, if you uh, need a team. Yeah, call, yeah come. <laughs> Josh, hurry up with yours because I got to get booking a flight for that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Taryn Cloth and Kristen Nuss. They're a USA team. Uh, and you guys know that messy quote that it took him like 17 years to become an overnight success? No, no. It took these girls an overnight to become an overnight success. Did you know their first AVP they played? They won. That was last year. And then they came back this year. They played in an AVP. They beat Mel and Sarah in the final. Uh, and then they went to Kulangata in Australia. That was their first international tournament. They won that. And then this past week, they just won in Turkey. So they've played in five AVPs. They've won two of them. They've played in three FIVs. They've won two of those. Uh, you might think like, oh, is this a product of the NCAA beach system? Are people leaving the NCAA beach and going to the world tour and winning right away? No, apparently the blocker was an outside at Creighton, not a super dominant indoor program. So she's an outside hitter. And the other girl was a defender at LSU, which is like a good NCAA beach program, but not like UCLA or USC. So where did these girls come from? I don't know, but it seems like every tournament they enter, they win. Jeez, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I'm American. fully on the wagon. They are I love, I love seeing indoor players transfer to beach and have huge success. One of my favorite things to see. I mean, it would have been one of the topics we would have talked about tonight had we not gotten into stats so badly, but we'll have to leave that for another time. I love cool Okay, players. my player of the week is Ruby Sora, um, who going out there and, I mean, playing youth for a lot of years, kind of had the same path. I can relate playing up in the OVA beach tour, playing in age up, playing with different partners, getting a win. So I think she goes down and gets a bronze at her first ever Norseca event um, with Shanice Marcel. So congrats, Ruby, on that bronze medal. Took me a while before I even got anything going. So well done. You're way ahead of where I was. And then I think went and won the women's, uh, some women's tournament, and then isn't still in high school. So, I mean... Congrats, Ruby. Well, you see my thunder? I made her my, my team of the week last week when, when her uh, she won a, a Norseka Silver as well, Garrett. I know. But you're, you're piggybacking on mine with like older results. I don't like it. No, she had a new, the new result is she won the OVA tournament. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm well, you, well, you mentioned a Norseka two Norsekas ago. Like, that was... Yeah, you picked two Americans for your players of the week. So, like, what? <laughs> We don't have a lot of Canadian volleyball wins happening right now, Josh. We got to celebrate. Does she go to Birchmount? 
No. Well, maybe, actually. I don't know. If maybe, she would go to Birchmount, I mean, definite player of the year. There, there is some nepotism going on. I feel like she might be a Birchmount girl. All right. Players of the week. That's not why people tune in. They tune in for the clowns <laughs> of the week. So let's get to it. Josh, are you going first again? Eric, do you even so, have a clown of the week? He'll have one after me. I'm ready to go because this one actually annoys me quite a bit. Garrett, the World Championships, I mentioned the list was out. The wild cards they gave on the women's side, they gave to powerhouse France, Plaquette, Richard. Heard of them? No. That excludes my team of the week. Uh, Cloth and Nuss are not in it. And there's some other teams on the women's side who it could have went to. So I don't know who owes a favor to the France Federation to let their team in the World Championships, but this, this is an absolute joke, I think, whoever did that. And it gets worse on the guy's side. Uh, Mexico got the wild card. And you might think, like, oh, Mexico, they were at the Olympics. No, no, it wasn't them. They gave it to Virgin and his new partner. He used to play with Entreveras. Garrett, I'm sure you remember him. Him and Delgado got it over, like, Evandro and Philo and a bunch of other dudes. So I think there's a little bit of backdoor thievery going on with who's getting the wild cards because the two wild cards went to a bunch of jabronis. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a story about my dad when he went to the FIVB uh, headquarters and went into the president's office and behind their desk, no joke, a full shark tank is behind the desk in that office. So, you know, that just gives you an image of the type of organization we're talking about here, Josh. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, you come to your own conclusions here, but I fully support the clown of the week. Absolutely. So if I go missing, it's because I'm in a shark tank in Switzerland or wherever home base is. Yeah. And by now, they probably have freaking laser beams on their foreheads or something. So, I mean, it's definitely deadly out there. Um, Eric, are you ready to go or should I stall for a bit more time with mine? Yeah, you go, please. Okay. So my clown of the week is the entire Canadian International Coaching Symposium. I, I got to call them out because this just really chaps me. You, it's in, you know, you, you, you sell this thing. You invite people to these, these things. You, people pay. They get the on-court sessions. They get these things. But there's always been a disconnect in my head. You get these high-caliber coaches, these big-name coaches on pro teams coming in. But who are they, like, teaching? Like, who's the learning happening to there? Are these club coaches? Are university coaches going to this? Like, it was always a huge disconnect there. It's not necessarily pro coaches helping other pro coaches to be better. It's this kind of weird, nebulous area, and I don't like it. So, clown of the week to the coaching symposium. So, where where would you adjust this? Because I think, like... Benjo, being our national team head coach, I would love to hear him speak. You think like the topic should be directed at like high school and club coaches to get the most out of that or like him just bragging what they do with Team Canada? Like, No, but I'm saying like if you're bringing in high school and club coaches to attend the coaching symposium with national team and pro level coaches, doesn't it seem like there's a bit of a disconnect with the audience there? Like it doesn't quite match up. Why is what a pro coach like Glenn Hogue or Ben Josephson talking about and their expertise in the sport How's that benefiting a club coach coaching 14U girls? In my opinion, they, it's not. I think they still understand the pathway enough to help. If they're just showing slides of like how they run the, the pipe overload, then yes, a 14U coach is going to be like, yeah, this is cool. I can't use it. My girls can't pass a free ball. Like, I think you got to speak to your audience a little bit, but I still think having top-level coaches involved, like passing it down, I think they can understand the pathway. Well, here's my second reason I don't like it then, Josh, and it gets clown of the week, because I hate the idea of a bunch of snooty-ass coaches getting in there and sniffing their own farts for a week. You know my <laughs> relationship with coaches and how I feel about them. And just the idea of them gathering and just having a coach-gasm about all the different charts and things, it just really grinds my gears. So, Clown of the Week, Coaching Symposium, June 9th to 12th in Ottawa. I mean, don't go. Are you going, Josh? 
Uh, I don't think so. I wasn't invited to speak or I would have loved to like really pass on my knowledge. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you were hoping to speak, but you're not going to go like exactly. It's a big ego. Anyway, I've said my a competition piece. to prep for. I've said my piece. Eric, do you have a clown of the week? Yeah, I got two here. One, uh, I got two because one, I'm going to piggyback over a clown of the week from previous. And that's just whoever runs the Norseek of volleyball websites. Cause those are, you know, I've hopped on there my fair share to try to figure out results and I've just, given up i don't it's do impossible. it anymore i wait for the next passing dimes or sharp cuts episode to hear what happened down in those in those tournaments i mean player but, of the week uh, to eric for saying just that right there uh, and then i think uh second one would be whatever airline couldn't deliver sophie and brandy brandy to their tournament like that's just we, we need to look at gut wrenching that's that's bad yeah so, let's message sophie and see which one it was uh like, was it qatar airways or like because you got to think it would be right. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to slander an innocent company here. I think we should get Sophie back on the show and she can. When tell have us we ever it. been worried about that? <laughs> innocent company. I just called out the coaching symposium, Josh. We can call it Qatar we Airways. Should, we should write that down for a topic when Eric comes back. Is just talking about yeah the shared ideas of coaches because I think that's our problem with indoor volleyball right now, Garrett. Is everybody's running the same system and they're calling the set the black set and the red set like it's just a copycat system where I think yeah you just get a bunch of cool dudes in a room and all of a sudden they one idea sparks another idea and before you know it everybody's doing the same thing versus like how many people are trying to think about competing and what what do my twelve guys have that your twelve guys don't have and what's our system like I think that actually is a flaw in our sport that just the the idea of sharing ideas means that. Too many ideas are getting copied being like oh is this what benjo's doing with the national team well i'm the head coach of university abc so we're gonna run that system is it just me or like i just feel like volleyball it's like there's no like it's kind of the same like i i would love for a team to come out and be like oh we're running our setter out of three and a half now like i want some radical change like that to happen in our sport oh yeah and i'm with you it's just like, like, think about it. The biggest change that I think has happened has been like, oh, pipe ball. Yeah, back row is now utilized. And yeah. it's like... So it sounds like you both fully agree with my clown of the week then. And Josh, you, in fact, are supporting it by bringing up a topic prompted by my chirping of the coaching symposium. I, I agree with the topic that I think sometimes we just obsess about, like, this copycat nature. And I get caught up in it, too. Like, I watch a ton of Norway thinking, like, our guys can do what Norway does when they have two absolute unicorns for athletes, like generational players. But anyways, I, I think the copycat thing is very tempting. I will say, Garrett, though, if you have an opportunity to learn, like, why would you not take advantage of that? So I would encourage people to go to the coaching symposium in Ottawa to learn. But th- there's nothing wrong with, like, going and listening to presenters and then using that information to make your own ideas if you're just there to do the cookie cutter thing then i would discourage you a little bit apparently we're having two this year there's one in calgary too from june 28th to july 1st so nice. we're doubly smelling our own farts here in canada twice this year so i'm I, yeah i'm not for it you're you're so. not for it until they ask you to moderate the q a as a sharp cuts guest at the calgary one and then you'll be on board yeah i mean absolutely like it's all about us right let's get that brand awareness out there and if yeah, you're still for watching Thank, Thank you, so, you much. so much. I mean, hit subscribe, five star the podcast. If you're probably listening, because most of our people listen, hit us up on YouTube, comment there. Let us know you're out there. We want to hear from you. You may even get on the show. Like most of the people who come on the show listen to the show. So this is a bit of a smelling our own fart situation here on the Sharp Cuts community itself. Same as the coaches. So we need some fresh, some fresh blood in there. So hit us up in the comments below. That's the only way. What's then any other way people can communicate with us, Josh? You could text us. 
<laughs> yeah, I will say a lot of the listeners know me personally and send me a text bomb, usually what we got right or wrong. So. You want to put out your personal phone number on the show? <laughs> I would think I would rather, I would feel more comfortable sharing my Volumetrics password than my personal phone number, I think. Well, then do it. Because otherwise <laughs> I'm sharing your personal phone number. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a threat. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode, Eric. I mean, you got anything else to say to us or the listeners who are still hanging around? Maybe it's you listening to this back. I can't wait. I'm going to be listening on to my uh, bike ride next week. But uh, you know what? Always a pleasure to be back and chat it up with you guys. It keeps me keeps my toes wet in the volleyball world, especially you know during COVID. Now that COVID's over, it's like there's not it's tough to find volleyball to play. So why not hop on the show and talk about it? That was actually my biggest fear. I thought we were going to lose a download by having him on the show. I'm glad he's on the show and still going to give us that download. You were you were of fearing course. about one download. Oh, God, I would notice if we missed one download. <laughs> that that shows. Do I download it? Like I watch it on Google Podcast, and I don't know. Is it counted? I think download? that gives me a click. Yeah. I mean, you a click gives us a click, Josh. Well, Are you us kidding me? Garrett, Your selfishness I... right now has no boundaries. Garrett, I will say the the passing dimes monthly numbers have gone down since you and I have missed about three or four weeks here. So it's good to be back to get those numbers bumped up again. Yeah, like. You and this passing dimes nonsense. Cut that and we'll go sharp cuts full time. That's <laughs> where the money is. There's the offer extended. There it is. <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it for this one. We got to cut it because you're sick of listening to us and we're sick of talking. Well, probably not actually. We'd go forever. But uh, that'll do it for this one. Thank you, Eric, for joining us again uh, for the hat My trick. My pleasure, guys. Um, and thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.